Hi, welcome to Trained. At Nike, we believe that greatness isn't born, it's trained. And that means more than just a workout. Each episode, we'll bring you conversations with leading experts in what we call the five facets of training, movement, recovery, sleep, nutrition, and mindset. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. I train some of the world's best athletes, like Saquon Barkley, Russell Wilson, and Marcus Mariota. On this episode of Trained, we're talking about New Year's goals. It's something that's on everyone's mind around this time of year. But we're taking a different approach. Today, we're walking you through how to set goals, how to nail them, and how to stick with them well into 2019. You're listening to Trained, presented by Nike. This episode is the first of a two-part series we're doing on New Year's resolutions to help all of us start 2019 on the right foot. In each episode, we're gonna break down the five facets of training and how they can help anchor our training goals. The five facets, that is sleep, nutrition, recovery, mindset, and movement, are all connected. If you're not eating the way you want or should, that has real effects on the quality of your sleep. And if you're not sleeping well, it's hard to think critically and be in the right headspace. And if you can't get yourself in that mental place where you're feeling good and alert, you probably aren't gonna give it your all in the gym or even go to the gym. So when we think about starting 2019 off right, we need to think about how each facet works together. And it doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete or a weekend warrior or someone who just wants to start working out. Everyone is a work in progress. Seriously, even my top athletes have things they want to improve in 2019. Throughout this series, we'll hear from experts in each facet of training. They'll give us concrete advice on how to set realistic goals, bust myths about what it takes to train well, and help us make a plan to stick with our resolutions well into 2019. In this first episode, we're focusing on nutrition and mindfulness. First, we'll hear from nutrition expert, Dr. John Berardi. He'll give us advice on how to stick to one of the most common New Year's resolutions, improving how we eat. We'll then hear from Dr. Megan Jones-Bell, Chief Science Officer at Headspace, who will take us through her tips on how to reflect on the past year and how to get our mindset right for this year. Along the way, you'll hear from our Nike Master Trainers. They'll be giving us some quick tips on how to set workout goals that work for you in 2019. But before we get into all of that, let's kick off this episode with nutrition advice from Dr. John Berardi. All or nothing is this idea, this feeling that you have to do it perfectly forever or it's not worth doing. You see this every day. For example, someone realizes that they eat too much sugar and should probably cut back. They make it their goal to not ever eat sugar. Well, that's not sustainable, right? That's impossible, which means the goal is totally doomed from the start. And the minute they eat their first sugar, they've blown their diet and it's face first into chocolate cake. So in my experience, you know, and I have a lot of it, the all or nothing mentality rarely gets us all. It usually gets us the nothing. John is a track and field coach, a cookbook author, and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's best known as the co-founder of Precision Nutrition, a coaching firm that has helped thousands of clients and fitness professionals learn how to eat right. John and his team have been so successful in helping people achieve their nutrition goals because his work gets at the root of why people struggle with their diets. I think a lot of healthy eating attempts fail when people try to compartmentalize their lives. 
when they think of healthy eating as its own thing, unrelated to their lifestyle, their cultural background, their emotional relationships with food, and social pressures around food and drink. Anyone who actually applies a self-awareness lens to their food will realize that their food choices are largely governed by not what's on the, the package. This is great advice and one of the major levers I pull with my athletes. You have to look at your lifestyle first and see where you might have some pitfalls. Maybe you go out too much or hang out with people who aren't the best influence for good decisions. My point, it's not just about the food you eat. It's your whole environment. Healthy eating can't happen in isolation. Then, once we've uncovered the obstacles that will get in the way of their success, we make a plan to get after their goals. Some of them want to get more energy from their food. Others want to reach a certain weight to perform on the field. Whatever it is, each athlete has unique needs. But there are a couple of things we can all start with. John has two tips that anyone can use to get their nutrition right this year. There are two things that I would recommend everyone do to improve their nutrition. One related to uh, what you eat and one related to how you eat. So uh, when it comes to what you eat, my favorite way to level up nutrition, if you're training regularly, that is, is to do an audit of your protein and, and vegetable intake and make sure that you're eating enough of each. So this will help control appetite, boost recovery, and provide essential nutrients for both performance and health. When John is talking about protein and vegetable intake, Remember, protein isn't limited to meat, but once we determine what we should incorporate into our diets, we need to figure out how to effectively do that. When it comes to how you eat, my best advice for most people is to slow down. Eating slowly allows you to sort of sense into why you're eating at any given time and better tune into your hunger and appetite cues. And this, without strict rules around what you should be eating, uh, helps people make better choices, enjoy those choices more, and Learn to stop eating when you're satisfied instead of stuffed, which is a, a thing for people. I mean, it's a skill to develop, you know, the ability to stop when you're feeling fine with a meal rather than going on and eating too much. The first thing that I encourage people to do is to start timing their meals. And this isn't a for life thing. It's just for a brief period of time to get some awareness about how long your average meal takes. And to help with this, I actually give my clients an eating journal. But it's a different kind than most people uh, are used to using. Rather than logging what food you ate, which you could do in a different context, uh, we log uh, how you ate. So how long you ate, was it slow or fast, was it mindful or distracted? So you look at the clock, you see how long you're eating, you uh, mindfully commit to slowing down, and then eventually you start listening to your internal cues around, hey, should, you know, what, what is the right timing for me? But you don't have to time your meals for the rest of your life. You can do it for a few weeks, a few months, just until it becomes a habit that you do naturally. While you're eating, you think about whether you're tuned in. In other words, you're paying attention to how your food uh, looks and smells and tastes and how you're feeling inside your body while you're eating versus being tuned out where maybe you're watching TV or surfing the web or thinking about other things. And so that slowing down becomes sort of a mindful, active process. And then once you have that awareness, that's a new skill for you. And then you can take it into other goal sets. And so uh, clients often are uncomfortable with the simplicity of this approach. They're like, wait, I need to be doing way more than this. You know, I'm still eating pizza, though. You want me to eat pizza slowly and mindfully? Yes. Yes. What John's saying here is actually pretty inspiring. You don't have to go cold turkey in your bad habits. Just make a little change. 
If that change is just slowing down the current diet that you're eating, that's great. Another great tip John has to share is about portion control. And while that looks different for every person and every diet, there's a universal way to get on track. Look at your hand. It's a great tool everyone has for portion control. The thickness and diameter of your palm, let's say, represents one portion of protein. Now make a fist with that hand, and that is one portion of vegetables. Uh, cup that hand, and that's one portion of carbohydrates, like whether that be pasta or rice or uh, berries. And your thumb represents one portion of fat. So that could be a tablespoon of olive oil or, you know, eight or ten almonds. And by the end of each day, active men should be getting around six to eight portions of each one. Um, active women, about four to six portions of each one. So that it winds up being around 2,300 to 3,000 calories a day for men and 1,500 to 2,300 calories a day for women. And they can split those up over however many meals they prefer to eat. You know, my favorite way to make this easy is if you're new to tracking what you eat is to just create a simple portion tracker. And that could be in a notebook or a phone app or whatever, see how you're doing and then start working our way towards doing a little bit better in terms of matching your goals and your eating. John's hand trick works because it allows for freedom within a goal. And that's really important because if you can customize the way you eat, you're much more likely to feel invested in your plan and stick with it. The hand trick is just one way that you can eat right and still do what works for you. Another approach that has the same flexibility is time-restricted feeding. That means eating all of your meals in an 8 to 12 hour time frame so your body can burn fat and experience all of the amazing benefits of fasting. I really like it because you can eat what you want. You just have to think about when you eat. But goal setting within any facet of training, and especially in nutrition, is a journey. Whether I'm trying to get one of my athletes to incorporate meditation into their mindfulness practice, or I'm helping someone beat their hex bar PR, I'm always breaking larger goals down into micro steps, the little milestones along the way that build on each other. And if you're looking to improve your nutrition in 2019, that first micro step is smaller than you might think. In terms of micro steps, the first one would be go to the store and buy a journal. It, it, it could just be a notebook. For the second step, it would be just start, you know, pick a day, you know, pick a day that you're going to start paying attention to how much of each thing you're eating. And again, it could be paying attention to protein and carbs and fats and vegetables, or it could just be the two I mentioned, protein and vegetables, because those are the ones where when people really start paying attention to those and bring those into line, their hunger becomes better controlled. The recovery starts getting better. They start feeling better immediately because they're getting more micronutrients um, that they uh, may have been missing out on. And so uh, before you judge any of this, before you become like a self-critic, see if you're in the ballpark. If not, then you can start setting a goal for how to get in the ballpark. The flip side of that self-criticism, positive self-talk, is a tool that some of the most successful people in the world use whenever they're up against challenge. My athletes use positive self-talk in some of their most high-stress moments, both on and off the field. But with John's method, Positive self-talk transcends sports. It's all about getting in the mindset to eat right and combat those negative thoughts. When someone says, I can't stick to a diet, which I hear very often, the first thing I tell them is that no one can stick to a diet, at least not in the long run anyway. And so with my clients, instead of diets, we work on skill development. And I know this feels a little nebulous, so I'll try and break it down. It's kind of like learning to speak a new language. 
what, what do you need to do if you're going to speak a new language? Well, you need to practice something daily. You need to be in context where socially uh, you can practice that thing. And that practice builds up new neural pathways in your brain, which leads to the development of the, these new skills. Uh, and these are what's required to achieve your goals, whatever they are. And the same is true when it comes to nutrition. So instead of saying, here's the meal plan to follow, I actually say, here's something that we're going to practice together every day for the next two weeks. And once you master that thing, we'll practice something new. And at the end of our time together, the skills, they'll build up and turn the client into the kind of person who can eat well without requiring extra motivation or superhuman effort or sticking to the plan. And once you hone those skills over time, then you can build on them. Because the key to setting any goal is to make your goal sustainable. Most people abandon their New Year's goals three weeks into January. And once they stop, it's hard to get back on track. But remember, a huge part of nutrition is psychological. Our emotions can dictate the way we eat. If we're anxious, just the idea of food might make us feel nauseous. Or for some, it feels instinctual to stress eat. And when we get off track from our original nutritional goals, there's often guilt. But in order to really stick to our New Year's goals and improve our long-term health, we have to shift our mindset away from what John calls all or nothing to something else. The all or nothing mentality rarely gets us all. So we teach a different motto. It's always something. So the idea is you had a bad day, no problem, always something. Just do something positive in the direction of your goals, no matter how small it is. doesn't matter if it's perfect or ideal or remarkable. It just has to be something today. Not no sugar, just a little less sugar than you might have normally eaten. This shift away from all or nothing to something, that can be incorporated into a lot of eating plans. I've seen lots of success with people who choose to remove just one ingredient from their diet rather than commit to a total overhaul. For example, someone who decides to give up added sugar. This single goal can drastically change your body and be incredibly effective. The point is, when it comes down to it, there's not just one right approach to nutrition. It's about figuring out what works for you. If you want to up your healthy fat intake, maybe the paleo diet is the right way to go. Or if your goal is to improve your bone density and strength, you might want to consider eating more high calcium foods. But whatever your end goal is, it's important to know that nutrition goals go way beyond changing your physical appearance. The chemicals within our food and the bonds between those chemicals actually tell our bodies how to perform. And that's why paying more attention to our food and eating just a little bit better can influence everything from our waistline to our athletic performance, from sex drive to mental clarity, from emotional state to the number of pimples on our faces. Um, from the like texture of our hair to the time we go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. And I've had clients who want to just lower their cholesterol and, and clients who need to fuel a huge uptick in training volume and others who want to manage depression and clients who want to gain muscle for their sport. So when you think about your nutrition goals for 2019, think about how eating right can positively impact so many other parts of your life. A mistake a lot of people make is that they think of let's say nutrition and sleep and exercise and um, mental health as totally separate things. And that's not true. They're all connected. You'll affect your ability to produce uh, watts if you're on a bike or a rower. People who are underslept usually have larger calorie and specifically carbohydrate cravings. You know, we often see that individuals who are in a chronic energy deficit, they will struggle with certain 
cognitive processes and mental emotional processes. So my advice is to find that balance point where you eat well enough to realize all these diverse benefits, but not stress out over every food choice to the point that it starts negatively affecting your life and your mental health. There's a sweet spot in the middle. And um, I think when you find it, you can uh, receive all these benefits, but then just live your life outside the context of what you had for lunch. A big part of anyone's relationship to food is psychological. Our mind plays a huge role in helping us decide what we do and don't eat. It's the reason a lot of people struggle with their goals. Sometimes your mind is your own worst enemy. The good news, you can work on that too. Up next, we're sitting down with one of the best mindset experts in the game, Dr. Megan Jones-Bell. Megan's gonna share with us what it takes to get your mindset right in 2019. That's coming up after the break, but first, here's Jocelyn Thompson Rule, a Nike master trainer, with some training advice and tips for maintaining a holistic approach to fitness. Stick around, we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Jocelyn Thompson Rule. I'm a Nike master trainer based in London. If you want to really make gains in the gym this year, my biggest tip for both personal trainers and athletes is this. So whenever I'm setting training goals with a client, I will always break them down into three different categories. The first is outcome goals. So these are goals that really focus on the final product. So let's say I have a client who wants to finish in the top five in a 10K race, for example. Their outcome goal would be to play somewhere in the top five slots. That's a solid goal, but outcome goals tend to ignore external factors that are out of your control, like other competitors' performance or bad weather or something that you can't anticipate. And when you solely focus on the outcome goal, you're also bypassing all the steps you need to take to achieve your goal. So you need to spend a little time thinking about how your performance would affect your outcome goal. That brings me to the second category of goals, which are performance goals. So going back to that 10K example, If you want to place in the top five, you'll need to be able to run a 10K in under 40 minutes. So this is your performance goal. It's a little bit more specific to what you need to do in order to be able to finish in that top five. But we need to break it down even more. So we're constantly breaking these goals down. We need to focus our attention on the third category, which are process goals. And these ones are my favorite. So process goals are the most important type of training goals. Process goals rely solely on your focus and efforts and nobody else influences them. It's just down to you. They set the foundation for success because you can always count on them as long as you show up for yourself. Other things can't stop you because it's your process. So when I set a process goal with a client, we work together to figure out which techniques or habits are one, in their control and two will improve their overall performance so again going back to that 10k runner example we'll work together to put processes in place to help them stick to a schedule so we would commit to say training four times a week uh, devising a nutrition plan to support their training schedule and making sure that they get the recovery and mobility focus they need All performance and outcome goals should be accompanied by process goals. That way, you're reaching smaller, manageable milestones that will positively influence your performance or the outcome. So all of a sudden, everything feels a little bit more like it's in your control. And you're also analysing your success as you go, not just at the end. So you should be able to reflect on each workout and ask yourself these questions. Number one, what did I do well? 
Two, what would I do differently? Three, how do these process goals give me confidence? And four, how do they make me feel better prepared? So you're constantly pulling out the positives, even if you feel like you had a bad workout or a bad competition or race. And if your outcome or performance goals don't go as planned, you'll be able to look back at your process goals and know that you did everything you could to achieve your success. So that's just one of my training tips. If you're looking for more info on how to get fit this year, check out the Nike Training Club app. In it, you'll find holistic guidance and free workouts designed by Nike experts. There's something in there for everyone, no matter your experience level. So definitely check it out. My personal favorite is the lunges and length workout. It's a mobility workout and you feel amazing after it. Go check it out. Uh, That's the Nike Training Club app available on both Android or iOS. The physiological relationship between meditation and your body is, I think, an incredibly powerful tool that we can all harness. So what meditation does is in that moment while you're meditating is activating that relaxation response, which counters anxiety. You're able to notice that anxious feeling in your body as it's evolving, as the tightness in your chest or um, the, you know, racing heart and use that as information to intervene before it spirals out of control. If you're training yourself how to turn that steering wheel back to a calm, steady, focused state rather than the anxious state, you can just grab that steering wheel uh, (laughs) and get right back there when you need to. That's Dr. Megan Jones-Bell, Chief Science Officer at Headspace, the popular meditation app. We asked Megan to talk to us about goal setting in this first episode for a few reasons. Megan is an expert in mindfulness and mindset. Her work as a clinical psychologist and researcher has led her to develop some of the most innovative technology in the mental health service market. And she has devoted her career to making mental health services more accessible and affordable for all. New Year's resolutions can be a real source of stress for people. But mindfulness allows you to get through those tough moments on the way to achieving your goal. And Megan knows that the starting point for getting your head in the game in 2019 isn't as complicated as it might seem. For me, in terms of these you know, simple things that you can do to improve your mindset, I, I think the first place to start is certainly awareness. And the, the next thing that I would work on is learning how to cultivate what's called a growth mindset, where you're learning how to reframe any challenges or mistakes or setbacks as opportunities to improve. We'll dive further into the growth mindset in a second. But first, I want to break down Megan's first tip, awareness. I have a good friend who is a Hindu monk, and he has some of the smartest, most insightful tips about mindfulness that I want to share with you. He believes that awareness is one of the most important concepts of the mind. He said, to master awareness in the mind is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Direct awareness and you will direct energy. Direct energy and you will direct what is manifesting in your life. What he's saying is, where your awareness goes, your energy goes. So whether you're not hitting your goals in the gym or feeling helpless after an injury or not eating the way you want to be eating, the first thing you should do is check in with yourself. You can do this with what Megan calls a body scan. 
A body scan is essentially where you are starting at the top of your head and you are what we call scanning down. You're essentially going through different parts of your body in a gradual way from head to toe and you're just noticing how does it feel? Is there tension there? Is there stiffness? Um, is there is there a lightness even? You're essentially um, observing and describing how different parts of your body feel from head to toe. And it's a very concrete way of getting into your body and out of your head. Body scans are a great first step to improving your overall health and fitness. They really allow you to check in with yourself, see what's going on, and think about what you can do in that moment to realign your actions with your goals. Like John mentioned earlier, a big part of nutrition is bringing awareness to how you're eating. And for anyone who wants to start timing their meals, they could incorporate a body scan into the practice. They should ask themselves questions like, do I feel full? Have I been holding my fork too long? Do I need to drink more water instead of taking another bite? But the other key tip to improving your mindset is much larger than a body scan. It's about cultivating what Megan calls a growth mindset people either have a fixed or a growth mindset. And so the fixed mindset is where people believe that talent is everything. And it's it's binary. You either have it or you don't. And you know, essentially your destiny is hardwired in your genes. And if something happens, if you get injured, if your competition gets ahead of you, if anything changes, your whole belief system and way of thinking about yourself can come crashing down. So the, the good thing is that the growth mindset, which is the alternative position to the fixed mindset, is trainable. And growth mindset is essentially believing that you are the author of your own destiny and you believe in the possibility of change and growth. And if you can reframe, you know, these little, you know, any kind of negative feedback you get or you know, things that you're not, you know, so thrilled about with yourself or your performance you reframe it as an opportunity and suddenly it completely changes how you think and feel about it. That growth mindset really sets you up for success when working towards any New Year's goal. I see it with my athletes all the time. They not only see challenges or setbacks as opportunities, but they also learn from their successes. But you don't have to be the greatest of all time to improve your growth mindset. Megan's advice, break it down into those micro steps. First, establish where you are. So it's kind of a self-diagnosis of which mindset am I in? And am I more of this fixed mindset or am I more of this growth mindset? And so you know kind of where your work is. Then I'd say, you know, what is, what is the one thing that you want to focus on improving right now? And the key thing is to frame that one thing that you want to work on as an opportunity. That's what's going to take a short term, a goal that you're really excited about right now and make it something that you six months from now are looking back on and feeling like you've made progress against. And then the next thing is to every moment that you're thinking about it, to to ch check in with yourself and ask, am I focused on the process or the outcome? And it's just this constant kind of motion of bringing yourself back to the process rather than getting tied up in the outcome. When I think about focusing on process versus outcome and achieving mindset goals, I often think about the football players I've worked with at the NFL Combine. This year, we started to incorporate meditation into their training routine to help them stay focused during practice 
keep calm on the field during scouting sessions, and to feel confident during press junkets. So the first week of the combine, we started with two minutes of meditation each morning. And then the next week, we got up to five minutes. And by the end of the combine, some of my athletes who had never meditated before were able to meditate for almost 20 minutes. And they were able to do it because we focused on those micro steps, not the outcome. But remember, mindfulness isn't just about meditation. In fact, there's no one right way to improve mindset. There are so many drills anyone can use to clear their head and stay on track with their goals, even when they think they can't. It could be as simple as a a breathing exercise. So that's a great way of bringing yourself into the present moment. And that could be as simple as counting your inhalations and exhalations, your your in-breaths and your out-breaths. It could be... um, you know, taking a walk. If you're more of a movement person, I think a lot of people can feel more kind of grounded and clear mentally when they're in motion. So it may be just taking a very intentional walk um, where you're aware of your surroundings, you're aware of where your bo- how your body feels. I think these are all very simple things that it needs to be tailored to you. The key here is doing these drills consistently. That's how you'll see long-term results. Megan has found that people are more likely to consistently use these drills when they pair them with established good habits. And this technique, doing drills in moments when you're feeling your best, isn't limited to just one facet of training. So, for example, if you're waking up at 6 a.m. and going for a run at 6.30, you know, if you're the moment that you put your shoes on, using that as a trigger or cue to take a deep breath, to... um, you know, kind of do a body scan to push play on a meditation. I think it's the first real step is finding out how you can, um, in a consistent way, create just a little opportunity every day to try. There are moments in your life where you probably are mindful already. And if you can understand where those are and build on them, that's so empowering. And that's going to increase one your um, your chances of success in establishing a new routine, um, and it's going to build your confidence in making other changes. That's the beauty of improving your mindset. If you're focused, calm, and present, you're much more likely to achieve any training goal. All facets of training are connected. So if you want to commit to getting eight hours of sleep every night, or going to the gym three times a week, or cutting out desserts on weekdays, you'll need to get your mindset right. And above all else, getting your mindset right means assessing why you're doing something. And that, Megan says, is the most powerful tool to sticking with your New Year's goals well into 2019. Why does this matter to you? Who are you showing up for? Is it for your family, for your coworkers, for your community? And I think when we connect our own goals around behavior change to the people that we care about, um, that it makes it makes it matter more. It makes us more likely not to s- skip it. I think when we're doing things for ourselves, it's uh, it's easy to procrastinate or say, I don't have for time for that today. But when you're really anchoring that routine in relationship impact, I think it's it's really powerful. Train is produced by Nike Training Club Pro. To join the premier network for fitness professionals everywhere, Go to nike.com slash ntcpro. The best of Nike, exclusively for trainers. Next time, we'll be back with part two of this episode. We'll focus on two other facets of training, sleep and recovery, 
with sleep expert, Dr. Jennifer Martin, and physical therapist, Derek Samuel. Together, these facets can help you make the most of your off days so that when you're back in the gym or getting ready for a big work event, or just trying to make it through your day with more energy, you're ready to go. Until then, you can still make some progress. I recommend downloading the Nike Training Club app. I've personally designed workouts in there and can say there are definitely options for everyone. Plus, we've just launched four new workout collections that will give you guidance to help you reach your goal. Remember, small steps add up to big gains. I'm Ryan Flaherty, talk to you then. Consult your doctor before engaging in an exercise program of any kind, especially if you have a medical condition. Use good judgment and common sense about your own fitness level and ability when engaging in a training program. If something doesn't feel right, stop immediately and seek medical attention as necessary.